Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Today, we are starting a brand new series called Bold Prayers. We're talking about prayer. It's probably one of the hardest disciplines that a Christian has uh, that they struggle with. And I know that to be true, not just because I've talked to many of you, but because I, I struggle with myself. You know, I'm always seeming to, to work at it to, to be better and to develop my, my prayer life. But I, I understand that it takes uh, work. And I love to hear people pray. For instance, I... I have a couple of prayers down here that people often will pray. Uh, you've heard of the serenity prayer, you know, Lord, grant me, you know that prayer? I love this version. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the ability to change the people I cannot stand. <laughs> right? That's probably a prayer that maybe some have prayed in the past. I also like uh, prayers that oftentimes I've heard seniors pray. God, grant me the senility to forget those people I never liked anyway. <laughs> and the good fortune to run into those I do like and the eyesight to tell the difference. Amen. <laughs> I came across, um, actually, this prayer. It's a morning prayer. So, so far today, God, I, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. And I haven't told anyone to mind his own business and stay out of mine. I, I'm really glad about that, Lord. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, it's probably I'm going to need a lot of help. <laughs> some of the prayers, some bold um, prayers. Uh, recently, I heard... Uh, two gentlemen talking out in our foyer. And, uh, and I was watching them. I could tell the conversation got a little strained uh, at one moment. And, uh, and they were friends, so I wasn't too concerned. But I did hear one guy say to the other guy, you know, I, you don't know much about the Bible. And the other guy said, I certainly, well, I certainly do know about the Bible. He says, I bet you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. I bet you couldn't quote the Lord's Prayer. The other guy said, Yes, I can quote the Lord's Prayer. And so the guy pulled out of his pocket. I saw him do this. He pulled out his pocket. And he said, I'll give you 20 bucks if you can quote the Lord's Prayer right now. <laughs> Deal. I'll do that. The guy says, okay, quote the Lord's Prayer. And he started. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Right? If I should die before I wake... I pray the Lord, my soul to take. The guy laughed. He says, gave him 20 bucks. I, says, I didn't think you knew it, but you did. <laughs> I think if, uh, if I was asked by the show of raising of your hands, how many people believe in the power of prayer, I, I would believe the vast majority of you would say, yes. Yes, I believe in prayer. But it's probably one of those areas in our life that is probably maybe often inconsistent. And, and we've been told, like, the Bible tells us, come boldly into the presence of God. He, he invites us to come, yet so often when we come into prayer, we come sheepishly, haphazardly, sometimes with little faith as we go to prayer. Why is that? 
Why is that? I think it may be because sometimes we think, well, we're not good at praying. And maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online and you may say, I feel like my prayers are, I don't know, I feel like maybe they're dull. Maybe mundane or repetitive or lackluster or maybe you would even use the word boring. Or maybe some of you may say, I feel like when I pray, they just kind of bounce off the ceiling. It's like they're going nowhere fast. And the reason we might feel that way is because maybe we're trying to be too safe when it comes to our prayer life. Playing it safe. You know what I mean? Like predictable, mundane, you know, rote. You know, God is good, God is great, let us thank for our food, amen. Uh, oh, God be with me today. Oh, God bless this greasy fish and chip that I'm about to eat. Lord, help me to get an A on this test. Help me to get a score goal tonight in hockey. And sometimes our prayer lists haven't really changed over the years, and we like to pray, play it pretty safe in our prayers. And, you know, and sometimes we kind of maybe fall into that Routine where it's just, you know, wrote like, oh, Lord, bless all the kids in the world and bless my kids and bless, you know, my parents. And, uh, oh, God, give me good weather tomorrow so I can finish eight holes, 18 holes of golf. And, Lord, I uh, pray for good weather this weekend. We're going to the cottage and we want to be able to use the sea dews this weekend. And, you know, they just, we just kind of let them fly off like the prayers we pray all the time. Safe prayers. And it feels like really nobody's listening. In fact, we pray such safe prayers that if they don't get answered, no big deal. And the reality is, I think most of us kind of like comfortable, easy life. And so we kind of pray comfortably and easily. Well, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about bold prayers. How can I pray bold prayers that literally can rock my world? can rock us as a church. And I don't mean the kind of prayers, those 911 prayers, which, you know, I realize often we'll throw those 911 prayers out. I get it. You know, some students say, oh, Lord, help me to help me on this test. I know I never studied this week. I was gaming all week. You know, I was really busy, but just help me to know the answers to the questions that I never studied, right? Those 911 prayers. Or, Lord, I know I broke curfew three times. I just pray that my parents won't be upset with me this time. Did you know, actually, that there are certain prayers you don't even have to pray? Ever think about that? Like, we never really have to pray, Lord, will you be with somebody? Because we know he made a promise. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He travels with us. He's right there. So we don't have to pray, you know, Lord, be with Uncle Joe and Uncle Sam and Aunt Mark and, you know, all through the whole list and Jaden and, and Cousin Brandon and, like, because he is. Now, you may want to pray that, Lord, help them to be aware that you're there. But we don't have to pray, Lord, be with, because he is. He's actually already with them. And so I, I began to think about that. And, and sometimes when we pray, our prayers can be often maybe, you know, I'm not being critical. I'm just looking at my own life, too. Like, sometimes they can be maybe a little bland or self-serving or safe, as I said before. And yet, when you read the Bible, it doesn't seem like following Jesus was ever meant to be safe. 
You know, that's why sometimes I get a little concerned sometimes for some of us, you know, that maybe we get gripped by fear by COVID-19 and sometimes we just hunker down because, you know, we're going to be safe. And I don't think you should do anything foolish. I think, you know, we need to be wise in this period. But sometimes I think we maybe have made safety as a number one priority in our life. Like it's our God. So this morning what I want to do, I want to step back in time to a time when the people of God, the, the children of God, were living in a period where everybody did what was right in their own idea, their own eyes. In other words, you can never say to somebody, hey, you, you can't be telling me that. I make my own decisions. You can't tell me what's right, and you can't tell me what's wrong because I make my own decisions. That was a period, and probably very similar to the culture we live in today. The story is um, described for us in 1 Samuel chapter 3. That's the story I want us to look at. In fact, it's a story about a little boy who prayed a very bold prayer. One that you and I actually may have a hard time praying uh, this morning. Some of you may be familiar with the story, and for others, maybe it's the first time. That's, That's okay. But it's the story of Eli the high priest... And a little boy named Samuel who served at the temple. Now, some of you probably remember the story about Samuel. His mom, Hannah, struggled for years with infertility. She couldn't have children. Some of you know that struggle today. And so Hannah would go every year to the temple and and she would offer sacrifice and she'd pray to the Lord. And one year when she went out and she prayed, she said, Lord, if you would give me a son... I promise I will dedicate that son to your service. It will be your son. And the Bible says that God opened her womb and she became pregnant and she had a boy. And and the boy's name was Samuel. This is the story of her little boy. And in this story, Samuel's probably, I don't know, 9, 10 maybe 11, 12 years old, somewhere uh, in that bracket. He's like a fourth or fifth grader. And he hears the word Samuel, Samuel. So here's how, here's how the story plays out. Samuel's in bed, and all of a sudden he hears his voice, Samuel, Samuel. And of course, you know what he does. He, he jumps out of bed. He puts his house coat on. He puts his slippers on. He runs down the hallway to Eli's bedroom and says, Eli, I'm here. What do you want? And Eli's trying to wake up out of a dead sleep and says, what, what are you doing? I, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so, you know, Samuel goes back to his bedroom down the hallway, takes his house coat off, puts it off the foot of the bed, tucks his slippers under his bed there, and he drifts off to sleep. And the Bible says that he heard the voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he's like, what? He jumps out of bed, puts his house coat on, his slippers, runs down to the other end of the hallway, runs into Eli's room, says, Eli, here am I. What does he want? Eli responds with like, what are you doing waking up an old man? I need, I need my sleep. You go back to bed. I didn't call you. You're hearing things. And so Samuel makes his way back to down the hallway, into the bedroom, takes off his house coat, puts it on bed. He's lying in bed. I'm sure he's got to be thinking, is Samuel talking in his sleep? Like, what is going on? I know I heard my voice, Samuel, Samuel. And so the Bible says that Samuel drifted off to sleep again, and he heard the voice, Samuel, Samuel. 
What does he do? He jumps out of bed, of course, puts his house coat on, runs down the hallway, says, Eli, I'm here. What is it you want? And Sam, uh, Eli says, I, I didn't call you, but then all of a sudden the conversation changes, and Eli says, you know what, Samuel? Maybe God's trying to speak to you. Now, the Bible says in this period of time, it had been a long time since anyone had heard from God. Been long years. And so Eli says, maybe, maybe God is trying to speak to you. So Samuel, if you, if you actually hear that voice again the next time, respond by saying, um, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel goes back to his bed, I'm sure, as a you know, 9, 10, 11-year-old thinking, oh my goodness, I, I might be hearing the voice of God. Nobody's heard that and for years. I, well, what's that all about? And I'm sure as he's thinking about that and his mind's contemplating that, he, he drifts off to sleep. And sure enough, he hears the voice again. And it says, then the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel... Samuel, and Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I got thinking about that. You know, it seems like every time God speaks in the Old Testament, he's speaking to people, it's not an easy message. Remember when God spoke to Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt, back to Egypt. I want you to talk to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to release the two million Israelite slaves. And Moses says, I, I, I can't do that. I haven't been to Egypt in 40 years. I, and in fact, I'm still on a list that people are hunting for because you remember, Lord, what happened 40 years ago. We had that incident where I happened to kill an uh, Egyptian soldier. I can't go back. It wasn't easy what God had asked Moses to do. I, I think of Daniel. Remember when God said to Daniel, listen, you need to go to the king and you need to tell him his kingdom is over and his days are numbered. Lord, the last time somebody did that, that was, it didn't turn out good. Or what about Hosea? When God said to Hosea, I want you to go back in the town and get your wife. And Hosea said, Lord, I am not doing that. My, my wife, she has been sleeping with every man in town. I am not going to go rescue her. Wasn't an easy message from the Lord to go rescue your wife from that lifestyle and love her again. These words are not always easy when the Lord speaks. And this little boy has a job that nobody was looking for. And so God Tell Samuel, go tell Eli, his household will be judged. And you think, why would God do that? Why would God judge the household of a high priest? Well, when you read through the story there, 1 Samuel chapter 1, 2, and 3, you discover that his boys, Hophni and Phinehas, married men, uh, are out in front of the temple, and they're sleeping with all the women who are coming to the temple. And so they're perverting the worship of God. And, and Eli was told to do something about it, and he doesn't do anything about it. He just lets it continue on. And so God is going to bring judgment on Eli's household. What a message for a little boy that has to deliver. That's not, that's not easy. 
Well, sometime later, you read through the story, sometime later, the children of Israel go to war with the Philistines. And they bring the Ark of the Covenant. That kind of represented the presence of the Lord. And, and oftentimes, the children of Israel just treated it like a good luck charm. And so they brought it into battle. They were going to battle against the Philistines. The Philistines defeated the Israelites severely. 30,000 Israelites laid out on the field dead. They capture the Ark of the Covenant. They go back. Those who are left in the battle are running for their lives. They're running back home. And, and one gentleman happens to run by Eli, the high priest. And Eli, who has a hard time with his eyesight, has been wanting to hear news of the battle. And this man says, Eli, you're running. There's, there's 30,000 men that are dead, and, and your two sons are dead. Hophni and Phinehas. Well, first of all, you imagine how devastating that would be to hear both of your sons are dead. And then he says, and the Ark of the Covenant has been captured. At the news of that, it says Eli fell back in his chair and his neck broke. Shortly right after the same day, news had, got, had, had been received by Eli's daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife. She was expecting child, says so she was ready to go at any moment. And when she heard the news of her two, of her husband, her brother-in-law, her father-in-law, that they had all been killed and that the Ark of the Covenant had been captured, it says she immediately went into labor. And she died in labor, giving birth to a son that she named Ichabod, meaning the glory of God has departed. Not an easy message for a little boy to share. So I would say, don't pray, speak, Lord, unless you're ready to hear what God has to say. See, prayer is, I want to go back to this idea of prayer. Prayer is simply communicating with God. And any form of communication is always two-sided. When I'm in a relationship, a friendship, and I'm communicating, I talk, they listen, they talk, I listen. But oftentimes when we come to prayer, for me especially, I do all the talking. God does all the listening. The more you listen for the voice of God, the more you'll begin to recognize it when he speaks. So, we're told to be still. The Bible doesn't say, seek me while you're going out flat. When you're on the go, try to find me. No, be still. My other advice would be, not only be still, but be ready. Be ready when God does speak to you. So I would say, don't pray, speak, Lord, I'm listening unless you're ready to hear what he has to say. The thing is, what's so dangerous about not praying that is we miss out on what God has for us. So we say, yeah, it's bold to pray, speak, Lord, I'm listening, but it's dangerous not to pray it either because I think God wants to do things in our life and through our life. So this morning, I want to challenge you. 
I want to challenge you for the next seven days, until we meet again next week, I want to challenge you to pray that every day. Maybe when you get up in the morning, first thing you get up in the morning, you're just, you say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. Or maybe for you, you have a lunch break, you have a half an hour, or you're kind of by yourself, you're eating your sandwich, and you just kind of quiet things. Maybe that's a great time to say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. Or maybe it's better in the evening for you. Maybe you're, you're getting ready to go to bed, and you're lying in bed, and it's quiet, your head's on the pillow, and you're just like, Lord, it's the end of the day. It's kind of quiet now. Would you speak to me? Because I'm listening. I challenge you. Let's pray this together for the next seven days and see what God does in us and through us, not just even as individuals, but as a church family. Speak, Lord. I'm listening to what you have to say. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no way.